0: Thank you, Miss Denise. We appreciate that. What a beautiful special. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open the Word of God to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Well, I'm glad that we have a God who sees it all, aren't you? He knows what we're going through. And the Bible says He is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. The Lord feels what you feel. He knows what you're going through. Amen? i I'm grateful for that, and not only that, we have the invitation to to bring those burdens to Him, those cares, and uh, because He cares for us. What a God we serve, Amen. First John chapter five, a very familiar passage. I want to begin reading in verse eleven down through verse thirteen. So, if you have that in your in your found your place, let's stand together. We'll have prayer, and then we'll begin reading right there in verse eleven. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today. We thank you for the scriptures, and we pray, Lord, that you'd use the word of God today to strengthen and encourage our hearts. Help us, just as Paul instructed, to be able to put on the pieces of that armor, and today especially, the helmet of salvation. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible says, and this is the record That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's a wonderful text. It starts out in verse 11, and this is the record. So for us, you could hold up your Bible right there. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. The Bible has recorded the message of God and the plan of God whereby he wants to redeem mankind to himself. The message of redemption is the scarlet thread through the scriptures. It has been God's sole desire from from the creation until now, to redeem mankind. Aren't you glad God loves us enough that he went through all that effort? I mean, you think about it, all the way back to day one of creation, God created man. You know, then looking forward, he knew what was going to happen. He knew Adam and Eve were going to sin in the garden, and we were going to get away from God, and that the human race would be plunged into a sinful, uh, uh, fallen nature and desire He knew that that was going to necessitate him coming to die on an old rugged cross, give his life a ransom for many. He knew of the agony of Calvary all the way back, and he created us anyway. Wow. What a God we serve. So verse 11 says he's given us now a record. Knowing that we were going to end up like this, needing salvation... He's given us a record that we we can have eternal life, that God has given eternal life. He's made it available. It's all recorded. We have a written record. And this life is in his son. And then it goes on to say, he that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. And why did John take time to, to write and record all this? He said that you may know that you have eternal life. So I'm going to encourage you today, you're going to want to write some things down as we walk through the word and we listen to the words of John as he encourages the brethren, how do you know you're saved? So John is going to give us here in his epistle evidence of salvation. You know, if someone came up today to us and asked us about salvation, if they were unsure and they needed assurance of their salvation, you and I would take the record and we would give them assurance through the promises of God. But in John's day, that record wasn't complete. And they didn't have a copy of the Bible in their lap to be able to show and read to one another to reassure themselves of what God had promised. So John had to encourage them another way. And the Bible tells us that he encouraged them to look within the most important thing a person can know in this life is whether or not we have eternal life and john said this i'm writing that you may know even peter in first peter three fifteen, said that every man should be able to give an answer of the hope that lies within him how do you know right how do you know So John was saying that there's a way that we could know for sure. There would be evidence, John says, within us. And I'd like to walk through the word and show you that today. You know, there's probably three great words in the Christian life that would sum up what we are to know and do. The first word is the word know, and we're going to deal with that today. The second word is the word grow. Peter gave us the admonition that we're to add to our faith. Add to our faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, right? And he gave us that list. And then sow. Paul so eloquently explained to us how life works when he taught us the principle of the harvest, the law of sowing and reaping. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how many people have, have become new to the faith and early got discouraged because they gave their life to God and they were now on the right track, but they were still reaping the harvest from some bad seed that, was been, that had been sown in life. And they throw their hands up and get discouraged and say, hey, serving God doesn't work. Wait, time out. Hold on a minute. It's not that serving God doesn't work. It's that you got to be there long enough for it to work. So, because of bad seed you planted yesterday and the weeks gone by, and now there's still those crops are coming up. You're just now planting the good seed in life, seeds of righteousness, seeds of faith, seeds of trust, seeds of honor. Guess what? It's going to be a little while before those seeds start cropping up and you get that kind of harvest. So you got to stay with it. You got to hang in there. Don't get discouraged. We need to know, grow, and sow. That's what the Christian life is all about. So, how can we know for sure, how can we know for sure that we have salvation? Well, the Bible says we can, and I want to walk through this epistle, 1 John. Let's go back to chapter 1. How do we know that we're in the faith? How do we know that we're saved? Can we know that for sure? Well, we can absolutely know that for sure. First of all, because the Bible tells us that we can. And God gave us the record that we can have eternal life. That's what John just told us. But notice what John says. One way that we have evidence in our life that we are a believer, he said in 1 John 1, verses 6 and 7, is that we walk in the light. If you are walking in the light of the Lord, that is evidence today that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you are a believer. Notice what the scripture says in verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Think about that. So we, all, we, we see here that, that we can know that we're in the faith because we see that we're walking in the light. What is this talking about, walking in the light? What does that mean to walk in the light? Well, it's talking about the way you live. When you do what God has instructed for a Christian to do, when you live what you've learned as a believer, And it starts coming out in your practice, in your everyday life, in the decisions you make, in the choices you make, in the the friends you take, and all of these things. That's walking in the light. That's living what you've learned. Someone once gave an illustration, and I think this is so fitting of these verses, because John here said that when we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. It reminds me of the little triangle diagram that someone created one time and explain how unity and how fellowship works. With God at the top of this triangle, and you on one side and me on the other, the closer up we get to God, did you notice? The closer we get to one another. And John recognized that in this passage. That's why you can meet a believer and talk to them for 15 minutes and feel like you've known them your whole life. Wow. Wow. How does that happen? It's that fellowship that we have. It's that unity of Christ, bearing witness with our witness, all right, with our spirit, and we see that we are walking in the light. So what is that? Light represents truth. God's word is truth. Truth, or light, allows you to see things clearly. All right? So look, we, we need to honestly in our life We need to make sure that we understand what what the Bible teaches. Don't just read the Bible. Understand it. Those who lack understanding are those who fail to live out the principles of the Bible. And oftentimes, they're the ones who who don't make it. They're the ones who don't last in church. They're the ones that people look around one day and say, Whatever happened to so-and-so? If they don't have understanding, if they don't understand how life works, if they don't understand what God's doing in their life, they'll probably get discouraged and quit. So we need this light. We need the truth of God's word. And we need that to shine in our life. John 3, 19 said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So the question this morning for you is, do you love darkness or do you love light? It's a good way, it's a good evidence that you're in the faith if you're walking in the light. Amen? Isn't that good? So these notes that you're taking and writing down are not just good to reassure yourself, but this is a good way for you to help others who struggle with their salvation and with that assurance, that confidence to believe what God said about eternal life. Well, there's more. John said, not only is walking in the light evidence of your salvation... In chapter 2, verse 3, he said, keeping his commandments is another one. Notice verse 3. The Bible says, and hereby we do know that we know him. Oh, there, that's pretty clear. How's that? If we keep his commandments. he saith, He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word... In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. Twice in this passage, John says, this is a way we can know that we're keeping his commandments and that gives us assurance of our salvation. So why do we keep the commandments of God? Well, first of all, we keep his commandments because we love him. That's why we do it. Look at chapter 4, verse 19. John said here, we love him because he first loved us. The love of Christ, Paul said, constrains us. It causes us, it moves us, it motivates us to do what we do. So because we love God, his love for us causes us to reciprocate that love. And we love him so much that we're willing to keep his commandments, right? And love is the best motivator. But it's not just because we love him. Having loved Jesus, we now love them. We love his commandments. Notice chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Oh, that's important. Because if the, if the word of God, if living out the word of God is grievous to you, that's, that's a sign of one of two things. Either one, either you're not saved, or two, your flesh has way too strong of a hold on you. Because the Bible says the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. They're going opposite directions, and you can't fulfill both at the same time. So you're going to give in to one or the other. Right, So we as believers, we want to live our Christian life in the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We, we want to listen to the Spirit right, and follow the, those impulses that come from God and that come from our spirit, which is when it's in tune with God. Those impulses that come to, from the flesh will get us in trouble. They'll get us in sin. They'll get us away from God. Right. That's why Paul said, if you sow to your flesh, you'll reap corruption. That's that bad seed we were talking about. And it's possible for a Christian to plant a bad uh, harvest. We do wrong things that reap in wrong consequences, wrong actions. Guess what? We get bad outcomes as a result of that. So walking in the light is evidence that we know him, keeping his commandments. How about this? Chapter 2, John said, Here's evidence of your salvation, loving the brethren. Look at verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Wow. So the Bible speaks about brotherly love, experiencing love and expressing love as we should. Look at a couple of verses with me. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. Talking about brotherly love. It says, For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, "...that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death." Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look at chapter 4, verse 20. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Look back at chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So what he's saying is true love takes action. True love manifests, expresses itself. That's good, good to know. John says we also know that we know that we're in Christ because we acknowledge him. We acknowledge Christ. Notice chapter 2, verse 23. Notice what he says there. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Look at chapter um, 4, verses 14 and 15. All right, so we're acknowledging Christ as the Savior and as our Savior. And then also we're acknowledging him as a testimony to others. Look at these two verses. And we have seen and do testify that the Father hath sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Acknowledging Christ. And then chapter 3, another evidence that we're in Christ. If you're taking notes, this would be number five, living a pure life. Living a pure, not a perfect life, but a pure life. In other words, we're we're making effort. We're trying to live out what we learn. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to keep his commandments and do what the Bible says. So chapter three, verse six says, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now, by the way, you need to understand That word, it doesn't say sin, it says sineth. That is in the present progressive tense. It means continual. It's not talking about a one-time sin. It's talking about a lifestyle of sin. So in other words, it's saying this. Someone who's truly saved is not going to live in a habitually uh, lifestyle of sin all the time. They're not going to do that because they know him. It would grieve them. The Holy Spirit is within Right? And he would be quenched and he would be grieved by, by, by such a, a habit, such a routine. So we see here that living a pure life gives a clear conscience and a clean heart. Notice what the Bible says. Let's see, we read verse 20. Um, chapter 3, verse, verse um, 20 and 21, the Bible says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. By the way, that's what happens when we sin once. We made a mistake, we blew it, right? We sin once, our hearts do condemn us. That's a guilty conscience. So he's talking about we have a clear conscience. All right? When we do have a guilty conscience, he says, okay, God understands that. God knows. God knows those that are his. (coughs) All right, look at the next verse. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Look back at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, talking about the Lord, is pure. So notice that he purifies himself. Those that know the Lord work on themselves. They work on their own life. They look in the mirror of God's word. They make changes and adjustments where necessary. And this is what he's talking about. Look at chapter 5, verse 18. Having a clean heart. He says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. You see the connection there? The one who keeps himself pure, the one who's trying to do right, staying away from sin and evil, right? You set yourself apart from the wicked one. It's not easy for him to ensnare you. It's not easy for him to get to you then. He really can't touch you because of where you are. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting concept. Now, that, that truth is what we... That leads us into the doctrine of sanctification. Sanctification starts with our salvation. In, in, in heaven, on the record books, God sets us apart from the wicked. We, we're declared righteous. But that, that doctrine moves all the way through to practical sanctification where uh, you and I are, are making our effort to live the Christian life. All right? And, and what a great truth that is. <clears throat> and then lastly, notice the sensing of his spirit sensing his spirit chapter 3 we have the spirit of god dwelling in us and the bible says if we have not the spirit of christ then we're none of his so if the spirit of god dwells in us then we can sense his spirit at work in our lives notice in verse 24 the bible says he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and hereby we know that that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us all right so Guess what? God's Spirit, God's Spirit abides within. The Bible says we, we got His Spirit dwelling within us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, right? <clears throat> At salvation. And that Spirit will be with us until we get to heaven. All right? There's no break in that, in that time lapse. So we have the Spirit of God. The Bible says He teaches us, the Bible says He convicts us. John chapter 16. This is the reference you want to write down, verses 7 through 15. Those verses tell us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. What does he do? He works in our life. He brings us, uh, he teaches us, he brings things to our remembrance. He convicts us of sin, right? The Holy Spirit uh, lives and works within us. All of these things tell us that we're part of the family of God, that he truly dwells within, and we belong to him. Aren't they great evidences? The best evidence of your salvation this morning is sitting right there in your pew. John said, before we even go back to the record and review the promises of God, we can look in the mirror and see evidence of the salvation that Jesus has given us. Because when a person comes to Christ, the Bible says he's become a new creature. Old things are passed away, again, in that present progressive. Old things are continually passing away, and all things are continually becoming new. Why? Because we're growing. We're putting off the old man, and we're putting on the new man. Every day we learn, and then we do. We put into practice. We live out what we learn. We're in that process of growth that the Bible talks about. So John said, look in the mirror, and what you will see as evidence of your salvation is that you walk in the light. You keep his commandments. You love the brethren. You acknowledge Christ, the Savior of the world, and testify to others. He said you live a pure life, and you sense his spirit within. These are all evidences of your salvation, that Christ is in you, and that's the hope of glory. You know, Paul talked about the armor of God. And in Ephesians, when he talked about the armor of God, one piece that he talked about was putting on, he said, the helmet of salvation. Each piece of the armor protects us from the attack of the devil. So what do you think that helmet of salvation, what do you think that protects? It protects the mind. Because the devil's always trying to get, you, get into your mind. Because you know what? Your mind determines what you do. Because first you think it and then you do it. Isn't that right? So if the devil can get you to think wrong, then he can get you to do wrong. So, Paul said we need, as a defense, we need that helmet to protect us. Guess what? That helmet gives us the assurance of salvation. That's what that piece is. Look, every piece of the armor, you have to ask the question. It's not a literal piece, right? We don't literally wear a helmet. We don't literally wear a breastplate. What is it? How do I put this on? We put on the helmet of salvation by gaining the assurance of our salvation. And when we are confident in the record that God gave us and in the promises of God to really save us like he said he would, then we, like Paul, are able to say, I'm confident that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day, knowing that we are kept by the power of God, not by our power, as Peter put it. When you have that assurance of your salvation and it's settled you are now wearing the helmet of salvation isn't that good is it settled today do you know that you know heaven is your home hey if it's not settled then you just need to get it settled today put the helmet on brother and now that you've heard this hopefully you'll be a little more equipped to help someone else put the helmet on when they're struggling with the assurance of their salvation, because many, most believers do at some point or another go through that struggle. And why do people struggle? Why do people doubt their salvation? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, they doubt their salvation because they're unfamiliar with the promises of God. Look at how definite they are. The Bible says, for example, in Romans ten thirteen, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no guesswork there. There's no hope so, maybe so, think so. No, it's, it is so-so. Shall be saved. And many other verses like it. You can go, you can go to John five twenty four. You have eternal life. You're passed from death into life. It's done. You can go to John chapter 10, and he talks about how that we're in the Father's hand, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And on and on we could go. God's promises are sure and definite, right? There's no guesswork there. So that's one reason why people lack the assurance of their salvation, because they're unfamiliar with the promises of God. Number two, they're undisciplined in their living. In other words, they're not consistently trying to live out what they've learned from the Bible. Maybe they compartmentalize their faith, and their faith happens on Sunday morning, and when they leave the house of God, they close that box, and go on to live the rest of their life during the week without ever recalling what's back there. If you do that, you're going to end up living like the world. And when you live like the world, you're going, to, you're, going to have, you're going to lack the assurance of salvation, and I'm going to tell you why. That's actually evidence of your salvation, because God's Holy Spirit lives in you, and he will convict you every time you do wrong. You're going to feel miserable and hopeless, and lost in a way you are lost not lost in the sense you're on your way to hell not if if you've trusted Christ as your savior but you're lost in life because you've not yet committed yourself to the ways of Christ undisciplined in your living that will cause you to, to doubt your salvation and then number three the only other reason to doubt your salvation is that you're unsaved one of those three So the next time somebody says, I'm not sure I'm saved, you automatically know they're going to fit in one of those three categories. And you have to determine which one. First, make sure they have truly accepted Christ. Because if they haven't, and you try to give them assurance, you're wasting your time. And if they haven't, you know to start with the gospel and lead them to Christ. Amen? God's word is good, isn't it? Now back to our text, John 5. Verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Here it is. And this life is in his son. Isn't that good? Thank you, brother. appreciate that. It's all right. He that hath the son, watch this. Circle the word. Have. life. It did not say you will have it, you might have it. If you have Jesus, you have life. It's that simple. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God? Because assurance of salvation boils down to this. You believe God's word or you don't. If you believe what God said, then look at what he said. He that hath the Son hath life. And He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So the only way you can be in the hath not life category is if you don't have the Son. If you have the Son, then it says you have life. Wasn't that good? It's so clear. It's so simple. When the light turns on, wow, look how easy that is. And all we have to do is rest in the Word of God, the record that he's given. And why did John write all this? Verse 13 that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen? Let's bow our heads. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just wondered this morning, how many would say, Pastor, I have no doubt. I stand this morning, I sit here fully assured in the promises of God. If I die today, I know that heaven would be my home based on what the Bible teaches in the fact that I have received Jesus as my Savior and I'm confident that heaven is my home. If that's your case, would you slip your hand up this morning? Pastor, I'm confident I have that assurance. I'm wearing the helmet of salvation. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You know that's everyone. Then today, I want you to leave this room since you already have your own assurance down and you're wearing the helmet of salvation, I hope today as you leave, you you leave armed and ready, prepared to help someone else gain theirs. You know, for another brother or sister, one of the most important things you could ever help them do is to put on that helmet of salvation, to get the assurance of their salvation. You know why? Because they'll never help someone else Come to faith in Christ as long as they doubt theirs. Are you listening? It's one of the greatest tactics of the devil. As long as he can keep you confused about your own salvation, you won't be worried about helping others with theirs. So let's get it down. Let's help others get it down. Let's arm together and and let's take the Word of God and use it in our life to win victory in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Let's go help others to have that victory also. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your word. We just ask that you'd use it in our lives. Help us, Lord, to to be uh, skilled soldiers, Lord, when it comes to using the word of God to help others gain that assurance of their salvation. Thank you for this great work in our lives and what you'll help us do in the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together just for a moment. If God's speaking to your heart about maybe someone you can help or some other way, I want to invite you to just respond in the invitation to do what God's laid on your heart to do this morning. Just say yes to the Lord and let him use your life today. Thank you so much. You can look this way. God bless you. What a great privilege it is to know this morning, to know that we know that heaven is our home, that we have eternal life. That's a great gift that God has given to us. You know, there's a lot of people that have a Bible and attend church that still don't know that. Because they're just not taught it as clearly as you've been taught it this morning. Maybe in the past. You know, obviously today, your testimony was, I have that assurance. So that means in the past, someone taught you, someone helped you. you. You were able, you were guided to the truth of God's word, and you got it, you know. And so not everyone has that great gift. Keep that in mind. There are a lot of sincere, loving people out there who just haven't had the privilege to have the kind of guidance that you've had. So help them along. Help shine that light in their path that they too might find their way and uh, be able to wear the helmet of salvation. Amen? And uh, they'll, learn, they'll know, too, that, that God is really good. All right, any other word before we dismiss? We've got some great events coming up. Don't forget about the hobo stew. Uh, that's at 6 p.m. on October 30th. Uh, bring a canned vegetable, and the church will provide the meat. Bring some good fellowship. Uh, desserts, I think it says. Is that right? So if you want to bring a dessert, drinks, whatever, and uh, we'll have a good time, all right? Good fellowship and good fun. All right, if there's not any other word, well, let's close in prayer. We'll be dismissed today, all right? And I'll I'll pray for us. Let's pray. Father, how we love you today, how we thank you for your word. What a privilege it is for us to hold it dear to our hearts and to be able to walk away with confidence today, Lord, knowing and having assurance that you loved us and provided a way for us that we might know that we have eternal life. We do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.